This is the Vintage Woman Podcast, a collection of conversations from amazing individuals in all facets of the vintage community. I'm Michelle Macaroon, the managing editor of The Vintage Woman, and this month I got to fangirl on someone I've admired on social media for years. Sydney Craba is a prolific knitter and headmistress of the brand new Squid School of Vintage Knitting, an online school for historical knitwear. I sat down with Sydney to ask her how she got started knitting, her advice to new knitters, her upcoming vintage knitting retreat, and more. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, I just wanted to first ask you a little bit about your vintage journey. I know, I think you have a background in film and you're, you dress in vintage and you're a knitter. So like how, what, what was your vintage journey? How did you come to be the amazing being that you are right now? <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that phrase, vintage journey. Um, it all kind of started around the same time when I was 14, I got really into old film and simultaneously I started learning how to knit. At that point, my like only prerogative was to make Harry Potter scarves. So it was totally not even like vintage didn't even come into my brain yet, but I also started dressing vintage around that time. Um, and then kind of dabbled in all different eras, went through a lot of weird like high school phases, mm-hmm. most notably an Indiana Jones phase, which people like to remind me of. It was a weird time. Um, <laughs> most people but, had a goth phase. You had an Indiana oh, Jones phase. <laughs> I did have that as well, but not at the same time. <laughs> um but it was it was really when I turned probably 18 that I got back into more like 20th century vintage and 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and started doing it on a daily basis at that point, setting hair, kind of doing the full like vintage lifestyle at that time. And that's when it hit me that I could also bring my knitting into it. And for me, it was the most tangible way that I could connect to the past because I could be working from these vintage patterns that somebody from the thirties also knit and also created for themselves. And that was such an alluring um, thing to me. So I started knitting vintage patterns when I was 19 and really haven't looked back since. So it's been almost 10 years now And here I am. And that's basically all I do now. Well, and it's also great because at least for me as like a curvier girl, it's, you know, vintage reproduction is great, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing like, like true vintage, but at the same time, especially in larger sizes, it's not something that you can come by. So like going from old patterns is kind of a perfect, the middle of a Venn diagram. It kind of seems to me, because you have, you have the original words, but then you can kind of create create patterns that are more size inclusive or modernize as necessary which is an amazing way to you know to bring the past to the future I guess yeah exactly and you get to actually go through the process of making that so this could also definitely tie in with sewing but you get to learn from their construction techniques and I I mean at least for me like getting into vintage knitting and vintage sewing, you really 
understand like the pieces in your wardrobe that are vintage and how they're constructed that way. But now you have the tools to make it yourself and yeah, you can make it for your size. You can adjust it however you want. It's wonderful. What percentage of your like wardrobe now would you say is it that you've made at this point? Gosh, I would, I would say I'm getting close to about halfway, halfway homemade. Was it you? Was it you that like went through all of your vintage sweaters recently? (laughs) (laughs) It it was so, I really did it to, it was like a science experiment. If, if it could be called that, I wanted to know really what colors I had in my, in my knitting wardrobe, which was shocking. I had like 12 blue sweaters, which I don't even like factor blue in as one of my favorite colors or anything like that. And I had no purple, but I have five sweater quantities worth of purple yarn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, yeah, taking stock of like how many cardigans, how many color work jumpers and like so forth and so forth. It was very eye-opening and kind of helped me plan out my next five years of (laughs) knitting. (laughs) And you recently you recently were able to quit your job and commit to your new amazing project full-time, correct? Yes, correct. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Squid School? I would love to. So Squid School of Vintage Knitting is a online community monthly subscription that's based in Patreon. And every month you're going to get a new, a new, I air quotes, new (laughs) uh, vintage pattern. And they are either adapted from original patterns that I've heavily modified to make it um, a lot easier to understand and follow the directions, et cetera. Um, Or they're going to be original patterns that we're working pretty close to the original text, but we're kind of workshopping it, I guess, as we Mm -hmm. go to understand why it was written that way. And then there'll also be original designs by me. So that's just the first tier. There are four tiers. And I also do uh, historical knitwear lectures. And I provide additional um, help and tutorials and techniques for the third tier. And the fourth tier, I've teamed up with Bow and Crossbones, which is like a vintage repro jewelry company. And we are making vintage stitch markers four times a year. Uh, so be seasonally themed. Um, and they're from real vintage charms, which I think is the coolest. So cool. Oh, you're making me want to upgrade. I don't have the money. But, <laughs> well, are you going to have those, are those going to be available? That's just exclusive to that tier. It sounds like the, the vintage stitch markers at this time are just for that tier. And that tier is capped at a hundred people. So mm. we're getting close to three quarters of the way full, but, um, but there is still room right now. It's so crazy. Cause you launched two months ago now. Is it two months? Gosh, not even, like, <laughs> not even two months. And you have, I think I, I think I saw, cause I just joined like, well now I guess you're one more, but like 425 patrons and like, that's amazing for, for, I mean, that's not to diminish. You've been working hard at this and it's just like the natural lead up to it. But like, what an amazing thing that like, I understand why everyone wants to do that. Cause you're just are 
a great font of knowledge and just so like personable. Um, and in looking in kind of the pattern, what is really cool also is that I saw that you kind of have, um, I was just looking at the shawl one, which is this month's, which is cozy and gorgeous, but you also have like TV pairings in, you know, things you could watch to inspire you, which I thought was like such a cool, uh, amalgamation of like two of your, your facets of your personality within one thing. That's oh, that's so sweet. I really it, like, I didn't even think about it when I started writing those down. And I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to care, but I'm just going to throw them in and people seem to really like it. And I, I mean, I always am watching TV and knitting or reading an audiobook and knitting like very multitasking type of person. So I always think about the films and, you know, TV series that I watch while I'm making a project. And then when I wear it, I think about what mm -hmm. I was watching or what I was doing when I was making it. So I wanted to just give some, yeah, film suggestions that would match the theme of the month. And what was kind of the inspiration of having this as a Patreon or having this as a school? Like how, like just a little bit about, cause you, I mean, you teach, you've taught for a while, right? Cause you worked mm -hmm. in Pearl Soho. You've been a teacher of knitting and a kind of collector and distributor of vintage patterns. Kind of what was the the journey, the vintage journey, I keep talking in these very epic terms, but, you know, going from teaching and then maybe using Ravelry and then, so how did you get to deciding to make the Patreon what it is? Yeah, that's a great question. I, because I've, I've been in this world for 10 years at yarn shops, yarn companies, et cetera, and designing has never felt like the right route for me to just, you know, put publish patterns on Ravelry or publish on my own website or something that never felt like what I actually wanted, because what I really want to do is share what I've learned about vintage knitting history and vintage patterns and sizing um, and construction and constructing patterns to like fit all different body shapes. That's really important to me and what I've taught for a while as well. So I was trying to find a platform or something where I can combine patterns with lessons. And the pandemic definitely opened up for the world kind of what you can do virtually. Whereas, you know, maybe three years ago, I would never think to attend like a virtual yarn festival. And now I teach at them and I love it. So it's, it's really kind of opened up those those avenues. And Patreon seemed like a place where you could give that sort of exclusive content to people who are really interested in that as well. Mm -hmm. So it felt that's, that's kind of when I realized that Patreon, I could do all the things that I wanted to do. That's when my, my wheels started turning really quickly. And I was like, well, got to quit my job now. <laughs> going to happen. And what are, do you have future plans? I know, I think you've already reached your first goal, right? I was did. Yeah. The first goal was really just getting to a financial amount that I could do this as a full-time job, which happened within the first week, which is absolutely amazing. And it's at a place now that it's, you know, going to be able to kind of sustain itself for a while. And as we keep growing, 
Um, I have plans to do a website and um, I'm going to be hosting a vintage knitting retreat next year with Rowan Tree Travel. And it's looking like there's going to be a lot more of that in my future as well. So knitting and traveling and hopefully more like vintage knitting themed goods. That's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of where, that's what I'm looking ahead to. So there are going to be more retreats besides this, because I think you said that the, the one in April is basically sold out, right? Yes. As of right now, there is technically one spot before it's completely like maxed out at capacity. Um, And that, that trip is in April. So it's going to be all 19, like very late 1920s to 1950s themed vintage knitting. And Susan Crawford is going to be a part of it for quite a bit who, if you don't know, I mean, you, you must, you have to know her. She is the, the queen, the, the goddess of vintage knitting. I mean, she, her books, A Stitch in Time are what got me into it. And able to, you know, read vintage patterns, but while I was still getting used to the language. Um, so it's going to be a very fun retreat and I'm working with Rowan Tree Travel and we are working on another retreat that's slated for later next year. Um, so more on that soon. And because this one was so successful, I'm thinking and hoping that there's going to be quite a few more vintage knitting themed retreats coming up. Amazing. What do you think the big differentiation is between vintage knitting and kind of modern knitting or something that you've kind of always had to use? You'd have to adapt. What are the things that usually have to look to, to adapt when adapting a a vintage pattern? I would say as far as adapt or adapting and modifying goes, it's probably mostly going to be about sizing Mm -hmm. Most vintage patterns, once you get into the 1950s, maybe the late 40s, you'll you'll see a few patterns that will give you maybe two or three different sizes. But again, this is a 34 inch, 36 and 38 inch bus. So it's still very limited. Um, so a lot of like, at least when I'm modifying patterns or working with somebody else to modify it. It's really just getting like measurements right to make sure it's going to fit. One of the biggest hurdles for people to get over if they're switching from, you know, working from a contemporary pattern to a vintage pattern is the language that it's written in, but also ease, um, like the ease of the garment. So a lot of modern patterns are written with like between, I would say four and 10 inches of positive ease, meaning that you're used to wearing very loose and like Mm -hmm. baggy. I wouldn't say shapeless, but you know, it's, it's not meant to like hug your body. Whereas vintage knitting almost always is written with negative ease. So that's something that I've just kind of learned when, Uh, teaching other people about vintage knitting is this discomfort with something fitted. And I think it also makes folks more worried that it's not going to fit or that you're trying to fit to like exact measurements, but really you end up with something that's tailored to your body. And it's just getting people, I think, comfortable wearing something that's, you know, a little bit more like shapely and fitted. And I think it works on every body shape, it regardless of your size, it's, it's really just getting those 
measurements and the ease down to get this sort of perfect fitting. And I'm sure those, I'm sure those vintage patterns were also meant for like people to be wearing much more restrictive undergarments than, than we currently wear. I mean, that's something, you know, everyone talks about like Maisel and whatever, and like, oh, they're so skinny. I was like, you're also wearing a long line bra like that. (laughs) That is going to, you have negative ease within your own body when you have, you know, certain undergarments on. Um, and do you have any advice for new people that are new to knitting? What would you say like your advice is as the headmistress of oh. Squid School? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've I've done a lot of beginning knitting classes in my days. And I know it's like totally an eye roll thing to say, but practice is really what you need to do at the beginning. And Um, just practice like knitting, 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 just kind of knit plain. You can make a little swatch, a little washcloth just to practice your stitches. But after you feel comfortable with like your basic knit and purl, I would really recommend to jump into something that you want to make. Now, it doesn't mean like if you want to make a sweater right off the bat, you only need a couple tools. You just need to know like knitting, purling, cast on bind off and maybe a basic increase and decrease and you could make a sweater. So I always try to encourage people to dive into something that they're really excited about. You can definitely choose a more simple version of whatever that may be um, to kind of help you get used to it. But I would, I would always recommend to go for something that you want in the end. And I think it will give you that kind of momentum as you keep knitting to, to get that like finished piece instead of just making a scarf, because you think that's what you need to make as a beginner. Mm -hmm. I made so many scarves, (laughs) (laughs) so many. I did too. I did too. And I think though, the the thing with me for, with um, doing clothes is, and I think I saw somewhere on Instagram, you are also, I hate swatching like so much. And it's just, I don't have the patience for it. And that is something I think that like made me very hesitant to do a sweater, do clothing for a long, long time. I tried to make my boss uh, some baby booties for a new baby. And I didn't bother to swatch anything. I didn't, I didn't gauge gauge. That's what I meant. Gauge is what I meant. You, mm-hmm. you see, I'm like, Nani, don't even know the word. I I'm so opposed to ga- gauge. Yeah. Oh, does it work? Okay, good. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, the the first one I finished it and I put it together and it ended up fitting me. And I was like, this is supposed to be for a newborn. It's like, oh, you really, oh, you, really no. you really messed it up. But yeah, I think for me, that's something that I'm so impatient about because, so you're telling me I'm excited for a new project and then you're, I have to do like seven different little, you know, little bits of this to, before I start. So I think that like, is that something that annoys you or you just, because you're now a professional, it's like, all right, I got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So it, for squid school of vintage knitting, you, you have to swatch. That's, it's actually part of like the curriculum. I'm so sorry to say. (laughs) I am revoking my event. (laughs) (laughs) Unsubscribe. I know I should, I should not say that publicly in case people are scared to join. No, it's, 
So it's a necessary evil. <laughs> it's a necessary evil in the way that I, because I'm going to, I'll be honest here. Here's your, here's your little exclusive that I am not a fan of swatching either. I also get very impatient and annoyed. I'm like, I just want to start, but it really, it saves you in the long run. And here's, here's a good way to think about it. That if you don't swatch and you make a sweater and you just, you know, spend 70 or 80 hours knitting the sweater and then it turns out wrong in some way, like too small or too big or things aren't matching up when you're seaming, et cetera, that can all be avoided by the hour and a half it takes to do the swatch, which I know is so not fun but it really does help in the long run. And the way that squid school patterns are written is it's a gauge times body measurement system, which allows for any and every size to be able to make squid school patterns. So it's a 100% size inclusive. There's no grading. There's no nothing you're grading and you're making the pattern to your body measurements. But in order to get that to turn out right, you do have to have that gauge number. So it doesn't mean that you have to swatch. I'm sorry to say. It's fine. I've I've (laughs) accepted it. (laughs) And things really do look better when you know you actually do it. (laughs) Um, But that's great advice and a little exclusive. Thank you for the, for the exclusive. I would love to do these rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, I'm ready. You're ready. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. Favorite time period to dress in? Okay. Late, late 1940s, I would say. I'm not making you choose a year. It's like, what year? <laughs> <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> but yeah. Um, favorite knitting uh, stitch? Oh, I, I love doing like simple color work. I love the finished result of simple color work. Favorite Carmen Miranda movie? Oh. <sighs> Hitting you where you live, Sydney. <laughs> the gang's all here. The gang's oh, that's all good. Here. I think that's one of the two that I've actually seen. Uh, least favorite part of knitting. Am I allowed to say swatching? I mean, I figured you would say swatching or color blocking. I don't, I don't, or not blocking things because I don't like, yeah. So oh. you are allowed to say that. <laughs> savory or sweet? Depends on the time, but probably savory. You're stranded on a desert island. What three things do you want to bring with you? Probably yarn, a really long book, and water to be sensible. That's very <laughs> sensible. Thank you. Look at you for hydrating on a desert island. <laughs> very sensible. And a favorite <laughs> holiday? Christmas. Because I believe that it's Halloween all year round. So I'm going to say Christmas. And you also do, because you do Knitmas, right? Can you tell us a, a little bit about Knitmas? Yes. Yes. Uh, so Knitmas, which I think people mostly know Knitmas now as just like a gift knitting season for like the holiday season. Knitmas for me is that I decide to knit for an insane amount of people and pick really irrational projects like sweaters and fingering weight yarn um, and try to make everything before the end of the year. And I start in November. 
So it means that I'm doing, I think last year I averaged about 650 yards a week of knitting. So I I measure it out by the yardage that I knit. And I usually, my range of recipients is between like 20 and 35 people. That's crazy. And yeah, all sorts of, all types of projects. So this year with Squid School, I am still doing Knit Miss, but I've forced myself that every single person, the gift has to be 200 yards or less. I can still use small yarn, but they have to, you know, they have a maximum yardage number. So that's, that's what's happening this year. Thank you so much for joining me and for having this chat. Thank it's It's you. been so much fun to talk to you. And thank you for having me. It's been very fun. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get episodes downloaded automatically. If you like what you're here, please rate and subscribe. Information about Squid School and Sydney's retreat can be found in the show notes. And for more vintage woman content, please visit our website or our social media. Until next time.